Amen. It's good to have uh, the Stensis family back in. They're here and there and gone back and forth, and this is their last shot to be in here until July, I believe it is. And so and we're going to have them come preach for us tonight. Amen. And so uh, good to have them back in. But, Amen. It's a blessing to be home for a couple of days. <laughs> then our, our theme song for this furlough, every furlough, is On the Road Again. And so whenever we get in that car, girls can always just look. They know I'm going to sing it. And I don't know the whole song. I don't, but I know that part anyway. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back here with you all. It's, it's such a blessing to represent Calvary Baptist Church. Um, not only as I travel around other churches and they always ask what's your sending church or where's your home and I can tell them Marshall, Missouri and Calvary Baptist Church and it's a blessing to, to be able to represent this church and most people don't know about it and that's okay. It really doesn't matter. There's some big name churches out there but I love Calvary Baptist Church and that's perfectly fine with me. But also to be able to represent it in Uganda. I'm very thankful to, to be able to tell people that my church is Calvary Baptist Church. And so I'm so thankful for your support financially and prayerfully and uh, just, just being there for us. And we appreciate that. And it is a blessing to just be able to come back and, and see friends and family and, uh, and be able to just renew those acquaintances. And so many churches you go to and you know very few people. It, sometimes it's the pastor. And if it's a new church, you don't even know him. So to be able to come back and see so many familiar faces, that's such a blessing. Now... That means also one thing. Normally when I'm preaching, I don't know who I'm preaching to. I can, I can kind of say anything because I don't really know people, but yeah, now I can have some real fun. Amen? <laughs> All right, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Pastor did not tell me a time. But uh, I'll try to keep it. Uh... You know, when, when our children used to say they didn't like something, we'd always give them a double portion. So looks like it's going to be about 9 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, we're just going to read one verse. You don't need to stand tonight. We'll just read this one verse, very familiar verse. Some of you might even know it by heart, maybe even be able to sing it. It's a, it's a great scripture song. Uh, but let's read verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I think you all would know that verse, maybe some of you by heart. Let's read it one more time. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'd like to focus on that last part there, according to his purpose. Father, I pray that you'd bless what we say tonight. I pray that you'd give me exactly what you want me to say. This might be a challenge to us, an encouragement to us, and to help us to understand your purpose for our life. Bless the teens as they're over there as well, learning from your word. I pray that you bless this message. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, according to his purpose. Now, when, you were, when we were all young, we probably all had 
thoughts of being someone as we grew up, whether it's going to be maybe an astronaut or a race car driver or a cowboy. If we watched Westerns, we were going to be a cowboy. And, and we would just think of things that we, were, that we wanted to be when we grew up. Now, I wonder how many of us actually did those things. Now, some, maybe that's, that was your goal from the very beginning and you accomplished that. Maybe so. But most of us, I don't see any astronauts in here or uh, firemen or, you know. <laughs> but we all had those ideas. We had those desires of what we wanted to be. But I want you to think about this. God created every one of us with a purpose. Okay, think about that. You're not an accident. You're not a has-been. You're not a mistake. Every one of you was created for a purpose. Okay? Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 17. Now here's an example of someone who was created with a purpose. Romans chapter 9, verse 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Now, here we have the scripture saying, God raised Pharaoh up for a purpose. Okay? What was his purpose? To declare his name and to show his power. How many of you know the story of Pharaoh in Israel? We all know that. So would you say that Pharaoh's purpose was accomplished? Yes. Would you say that? Sure. But let me ask you this. The way it happened, do you think that was God's design for Pharaoh? Now, before you answer, think about it. It was God's purpose he raised up Pharaoh to show his name and show his power. Okay? Are we together? Is that what the Bible says? Yes. But do you think the way it happened is the way God planned? Do you think God planned for Egypt to be destroyed? Do you think God planned for all those firstborn to die? I believe God planned for Pharaoh to exalt his name and give him glory by letting Israel go freely. Amen? God wanted to use Pharaoh to show his mighty power, but Pharaoh said no. Are we together? Yes. Now, here's the thing. God got the glory from Pharaoh, didn't he? Yes. But don't you think Pharaoh could have done it the easy way? Yeah. You think? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, ha I, I, can, I can't believe that God wanted Pharaoh to rebel and he do all that to Egypt. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's the kind of a God we serve. But I do believe God chose Pharaoh for the purpose of giving his name glory and showing his power. But he could have done it in a different way. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? 
So it was the easy way or the hard way. Pharaoh chose the hard way. And even though Pharaoh did not do God's will the way God wanted it, God still got the glory. God's power was still revealed and his name was glorified. Even though the one that God chose for it to happen didn't happen in the way God wanted it. Amen. You say, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. Just hang on. We'll get there. What is your purpose in life? Now think about what your purpose is. Maybe get married, get ki have ki get kids, <laughs> have kids, get a good job, eventually retire, enjoy grandkids, the American dream. Isn't that what we kind of think about the American dream? <coughs> Do you think that's God's purpose for our life? The American dream? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the American dream. But sometimes I think we focus too much on what we think we're going to get in America and the purpose that God has for us. Maybe some of us are just kind of floating by. We, we haven't really thought about God's purpose. You know, we have a job and we make money and okay, that's it. But what is God's purpose for you? Remember, God has a specific purpose for every person. Everyone was created with a specific purpose in mind. We just saw there about Pharaoh. God specifically chose him for that work. What has God chose you for? What work? Specific work. Now, we're all not going to be like Pharaoh. I understand that. And I'm not saying, where's the Pharaohs? Okay? I'm not saying that. But I believe... God has something specific for every person here. Notice the verse we started with. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So the question is, whose purpose are you fulfilling? Are you just going through life doing your own thing? whether it's the American dream, whether it's just what you've chosen for life. God has a purpose and a plan for creating you. Every one of us. We are special to God. Every one of us is. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's start in verse number 7. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us, and called us with an holy calling... Not according to our works, but according to what? His own purpose and grace, 
which was given us in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus before the world began. God had a purpose for every one of you before the world began. Now that is amazing. <laughs> God knew every one of us before the world was even created. And knowing you, he had a purpose for your life. Isn't that amazing? What is that purpose? Look in uh, chapter 3. Paul is a great example of someone whose purpose was known. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look in verse, uh, let's start in verse 9. 2 Timothy 3, 9. Remember, Paul is writing to Timothy. Verse 9, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, etc. So Paul says to Timothy, you knew my purpose. Are we together there? Paul says, Timothy, you knew what my purpose was. If I were to call your name, would everybody in this room know your purpose in life? No. Or what would they say is your purpose? Well, he's out to make money. Well, he's after girls. Well, she just wants good looks. What, what, would, what would we say about your name? Do we know your purpose in life? What is your purpose? I think obviously Paul wanted people, if we go down to verse 14, I believe Paul is very clear that he wanted people to know the scriptures. And because of those scriptures, something comes from that. Let's look in verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So Paul tells Timothy, hey, you continue. The things that you've been taught, you continue in them. Amen. Well, what did he teach him? Verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He says to Timothy, even from a young child, because of the scriptures you read, that brought you to salvation. Now, just reading scriptures does not save a person. We know that, right? The end of the verse says it's through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. But reading the scriptures brought them to that point. You parents that have young children, read the scriptures to them. Let them learn how to read using the scriptures. What's the only other purpose for reading? Hey. Is it so you can read the newspaper? No. So you can read the scriptures. Hey. So that at an early age, you can become wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 So I believe Paul wanted people to know the scriptures, for number one, for salvation. That's the most important thing, salvation. Number two, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The scripture is for those four things. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Those are some big words, but you know there's an easy way to remember those four things. 
The first one, doctrine, that's what's right. Simple. The Bible teaches us doctrine. It teaches us what is right. Would you all agree with that? Yes. Amen. It's full of doctrine. Now, the world today says leave doctrine. Ah, we don't worry about doctrine. Doctrine divides. That's right. Because it's what is right. And the world doesn't want what is right. The world wants whatever they want. Yeah. So the scriptures... It's for what's right. Reproof. That's the second thing. What's that? That's what's not right. And there's a lot of that in Scripture too. Would you agree with that? Amen. The Scripture is full of things that are not right. The Scripture is very clear. The Word of God tells us this does not please God. Do not live this way. Sometimes we don't follow what is right. Amen? I know that's not a great place to say amen. It's just showing honesty. <laughs> right? Okay, the third one. Correction. That's how to get right. When we have stepped aside from the way. That's what sin is. Missing the mark. We've stepped out of the way. We have not done right. The scripture tells us how we can get right again. Praise the Lord. God is a God of second chances. Amen. And you know what someone told me? I don't know if it was yesterday or, or today, but they said, you know, God is only a God of second chances. There is no third chances with God. And when the person said that, I thought, hmm, what? Because God forgets our sin. So he only ever gives us second chances. Amen? I'm glad of that, because I sure mess up a lot. But God gives me a second chance. He says, you get in my word, and it will help you get right. Then, once you've got right, look at the last one. Number four, instruction and in righteousness. That's how to stay right. It tells us how we can keep on that right path. What a blessing what the scripture is. Do you know, that's it, all we need. That's all we need. We don't need revelations and visions and dreams and all these things that people are saying they're getting. Everything we need is right here. How do I know? The next verse. That the man of God may be perfect. Now, that perfect is not the same perfect like we think of today. I wish it was, but it's not. Okay? What we think of today as perfect is no sin, no error, no mistakes. That's not the perfect that is written here. Okay? When they translate the scriptures from Greek into English in 1611, that word perfect had the meaning of complete or mature or sound. Okay? We have the meaning today of perfect as like perfection. But when this was translated, that wasn't the meaning they had. So here's the point I'm trying to make. Scripture can help you become mature and complete and sound. You don't need anything else. This is enough. Now, go back to 16. Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, that's what's right. Reproof, that's what's not right. Correction, that's how to get right. Instruction of righteousness, that's how to stay right. You know what that's called? Separation. Separation, yeah. If we do this, we will be separate from the world. The world's not doing right. They're doing their own thing. They don't even know what they're doing. 
I watch articles of our uh, representatives and different ones um, questioning certain people in the government or certain, um, I don't know what they call them, candidates to be part of the cabinet or something like that. What, what's the word? I forget. And when you have someone, a representative, asking this person, what is a woman or what is a man? And they, it's not that they can't answer, they refuse to answer. They don't care about what's right. Yeah. And you know what? They want you to be the same way. Yeah. They want you to accept what they're doing is okay. That's right. Word of God says we're to be separate from that garbage. That means there is a right and there is a wrong. And this is the standard, not me. I'm not the standard. This is the standard. And this says there is right and there is wrong. That's separation. Paul wanted people to know the scriptures for salvation and separation. And then number three, Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That's service. Some of you went to camp, Triple S, Christian Ranch, salvation, separation, and service. That's right. It's right here. It's scripture. When we were saved, when God saved us, he didn't save us to sit. Okay? He saved us to serve. Yay. Now, we think that the man of God may be perfect. We think, oh, that's preachers. That's missionaries. No, that's everyone who claims to be a Christian. Yeah. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God if you're a Christian. Amen. Yeah. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the missionaries who come through. These are men of God. If you're saved, sir, you're a man of God. If you are saved, lady, you are a woman of God. Amen. That means we are supposed to do what? Serve God. Amen. Now, what are these, what is this service? Well, I believe it's very simple. It's the Great Commission. It's telling other people about Jesus Christ. Soul winning. And there's a whole lot of ways to do it. Whether you knock on someone's door, whether you talk to someone at work, or your neighbors, or someone you go to the grocery store for, the, you, you've shopped at that same grocery store for 20 years and you know the people? Have you talked to them about the Lord? Do they even know you're a Christian? You should be able to win them to Christ. They should see such a difference in your life that they want what you have. They see the emptiness of all this other religious garbage. And they say, that's real. What you have is real. Your walk talks and your talk talks, and it's the same. There ought to be a difference. That's, we go back to verse 16, separation, because you do what is right. But we're afraid to offend someone. And we won't say, that's right, that's wrong. That's why people don't even know we're Christians. So, these are the works, salvation, 
getting people saved, going and preaching the gospel, telling people, soul winning, visiting them. And then when they get saved, get them in here to get them baptized and then disciple them. They need to be discipled. Yeah. That's the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. And that's not, again, that's not just for the pastor to do. That's every man of God and every woman of God. Amen. Yeah. To be involved. You say, well, I, I, I don't know specifically what God's will is for my life. Okay, fine. It's okay. You do what you know to do right now. What are you supposed to do? Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Be at church every time the doors are open. Amen. We know the things to do. If we will do what we're supposed to do, God will show us exactly what he wants us to do because it's his will. It's not my will. Amen. It's his desire. He created me for his purpose. I don't have to worry about whether he's going to show me or not. He's going to. But I just have to be the person God wants me to be before he'll show me. Remember what he said to the disciples when he was getting ready to die on the cross? There's many things I need to tell you, but you're not ready yet. That's what he told them. He said the Holy Spirit's going to have to do the work because you're not ready yet. So if we become the people God wants us to be, then he'll show us what to do. Amen? Amen. So let's just let's do what we're supposed to do. Do what we know is right. And God will give us that direction. If you're using your life, the life that God has given you for your own purpose, it won't work. It's not going to work. Um, I think some of you saw, saw the video back in September. We showed the video of our, our work in Uganda. How many of you remember seeing that? Uh, do you remember that vehicle that went up the side of the mountain? That Land Cruiser? What would you think if I had a Lamborghini? Uh, do you think that Lamborghini would have made it up the side of the mountain? Not at all. You know why? It's not designed for it. The purpose for a Lamborghini is not to climb a mountain. It is to go as fast as you can on a smooth road. Right? Uh, what about, how many wear cowboy boots? Anybody wear cowboy boots? All right. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here, brother. What was the original purpose for cowboy boots? Riding horses. How many ever thought of that? Oh, cowboys wear them, but what's the purpose? The way they're designed, it's to ride a horse. So those boots can go in the stirrups. How many of you watched any races lately? And you've seen any guys wearing cowboy boots to run a race? No? Now, I can sure some of these cowboys that have grown up their whole life wearing cowboy boots, I'm sure they could probably run faster than me in their cowboy boots. But cowboy boots were not designed to run a race. That's not their purpose. Now, can you run a race in boots? Sure. Can you climb a mountain in a Lamborghini? Maybe. But the problem is you're trying to use it for something other than its designed purpose. Remember God created you for a specific purpose? When you take that life that God has designed for a certain purpose and you use it for something other than the designed purpose, you might make it work, 
but it's not going to work well. It's not going to do well. When you fulfill God's plan and your life is used for His purpose. Look around. Every one of us is different. Amen to that. <laughs> Not everybody looks like me. Amen to that. <laughs> I will second that one. Amen. All right. But you know, God designed everybody different because he has a different purpose for every person. That's right. And your abilities, your talents, the way you think, the way you operate, all those things are from God to help you fulfill his purpose. If you feel like you're different than everybody else, that's great because that's the way God made you. Amen. He's got a specific purpose for you. And when you do his purpose, all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But when you don't fulfill his purpose... It doesn't work. Now, does it mean that if you do his purpose, everything is perfect? Absolutely not. But, oh, it's a whole lot better. It's a whole lot better. You see, without, without using God's, without using the life that God gave you for his purpose, there's emptiness. There's confusion. There's discontent. I remember my, my mom has, has witnessed to her sisters so many times. And the last time she was out in California on their way back through, they stopped and talked to them and she gave her a book to read. It's a very clear plan of salvation in it. And she told, her, she told my mom she would read it and she read it and then sent my mom a message or email, I forget which one it was, and she said, you know, we're just content with the way we are. We're discontent with where we are. And you know, my prayer for my aunt every day now is, Lord, give them a discontented life. Now, she can say she's contented, but it's not true. Because what she has does not bring contentment. It doesn't. Go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, in the Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. <coughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I'll give you a chance to get there. That's a harder book to find. But if you can find Psalms, then Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is right after. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. It says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. Okay, this is Solomon. Verse 13, And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Solomon did everything. Yep. Literally everything. And it didn't satisfy. It's like there's a hole in man 
that is never satisfied apart from God. And God put that in man. God made it so that those things don't satisfy. You can have everything. Go to chapter 6. Excuse me. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. God gives you everything, but you don't even get to enjoy it. <laughs> They're not supposed to satisfy. God never designed for the things of this world to satisfy. He alone satisfies. Even if we had all that stuff, it doesn't satisfy. God has given you exactly what you need to fulfill His purpose. And when you do it, it satisfies. It satisfies. Look at Solomon, what God gave him. God gave him everything, but yet everything that's written here in the book of Ecclesiastes is a view from without God. He had everything, but without God. He didn't use what God gave him for the, for the purpose God gave it to him for. Remember, God gave him wisdom so he could judge the people, to lead the people. And what does he do? He marries all these women, wicked, idolatrous women, and begins sacrificing to their gods? Solomon, what in the world? Where'd the wisdom go? The wisdom that God gave you to judge and lead the people, and now you're leading them astray. Where's the wisdom? What happened? You had it. God's given you talents. God's given you abilities. God has given you maybe, maybe money. God has given you those things for His purpose. You say, well, I don't have them. Why not? Look in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Jesus told this parable about a man who, he was a lord over a lot of possessions and he was going into a country, he was traveling, and he left three of his men in charge of his goods. And he gave one of the men five talents. The other one he gave two talents. And to the third one he gave one talent. He gave each of them, the Bible says, according to their ability. Okay? He went, he said, you be busy with what I've given you and then when I come you'll give an account. He went on his journey. He came back after a time. He told those three men, now you give an account for what I've given you. The first guy said, Lord, you gave me five. I've matched it with five more. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Great job. Second one comes, Lord, you gave me two. And I've gained two. What? You didn't gain five? You're a wicked servant. Is that what he said to him? No. No. He said, well done. You're two. You've gained two. Wonderful. Good job. 
You see, everybody's different. God doesn't give everybody the same amount or the same things. Okay, don't look at what other people are doing. Amen. You look at what God has given you, and you make sure you use what God has given you. Amen. He goes to the third one. Lord, you gave me one. Well, what'd you do with it? Well, I was kind of afraid if I put it over here, I might lose it. Or if I did something over here, I might not. So I just buried it. So the one you gave me, here it is. You mean you did nothing with what I gave you? Nothing? <clears throat> Calls him a wicked servant. But I want you to look in verse 28. I want you to notice what happens with this man and his talent. Matthew 25, 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. What this Lord had given to the third servant, because he didn't use it, he took it away from him. And he gave it to the servant that he knew would use it. Amen. You know where this is going. This isn't hard. Why can we not serve God? Maybe because we've wasted what God gave us. And he's taken it away from us and given it to someone else who he knows will use it. If you find God's will for your life, you do his purpose. You take what he's given you, whatever it is, and you use it for his purpose. Let me tell you, there is contentment. There is satisfaction. I think maybe I've told this story, some of you may know, when we were, we were in Embarada, 15 years in there, we began praying. We felt like the Lord was moving us somewhere, but we didn't know where. So we prayed for three towns on the western side of Uganda. There was Kabale in the south, there was Kasese kind of in the middle on the west, and there was Fort Portal to the north on the west. Well, as I went and visited each of those towns, I had my choices. So number one was Kabale. Beautiful climate, kind of set in the, in the mountains, very green, very luscious. And the language they spoke there was very similar to the language in Embarada. We had translated the scriptures. We had translated the Bible college, John and Romans, tracts, discipleship material. We had all that translated. And so we could take that stuff and take it to Kabbalah and use it there. We could jump in and get started. So that was my number one choice. Number two was Fort Portal. Fort Portal was in the north, it was in the mountains, again, a great climate, uh, and the language was a little similar, not exactly the same, but close enough that we could use the material at least to get started. So that was my second choice. Kasese was not my choice. It was hot, very hot, and the language was hard, hard. I mean, Lukonzo is much more difficult to me than running Cory. Running Cory was easy. And so I had a little conversation with the Lord. <laughs> we, we talked a little bit. Um, and I just said to the Lord, you know, we can go to Kabbalah. We can take all that material that we've translated and we can jump right into the ministry and we can just get started right away. And it was as if the Lord said, notice I said, as if I didn't hear his voice. It was as if the Lord said, 
I can send anybody to Kabale. Who's going to go to Kasese? Oh. Okay, Lord. There wasn't a struggle. There wasn't a fight. It wasn't what I wanted by any means. But when the Lord said, who's going to go to Kasese? I said, okay, I'll do it. That was 10 years ago. Over 10 years now. I wouldn't trade it. Not one bit. Do I want to go to Kabbalah? I do not. You say, well, wait, that's, I thought your desire was Kabbalah. Yes, but my desire is to serve the Lord. Amen? I hope that's your desire too. And so what I thought was my desire was going to Kabbalah, it really wasn't. My desire was to go to Kasese, and I didn't know it. But I know it now, and I'm okay with it. You say, is it hot? Yes, it is. <laughs> in Embarada, we had one fan in the entire house. And that was when we had big groups of people, and it got a little warm. In Kasese, we have one in every room. Some of them, we need two. It's hot. Is the language hard? Oh, yes, it is. It's still the hardest language that I know of. But I wouldn't trade one bit. I'm completely content with where God has put us in Kasese. Totally. Wouldn't trade one bit of it. Why? Because the Bible says, if you have the desires of, if, if, well, let's go to Psalms so I don't mess it up. Psalms 37. Psalms chapter 37, and I'm just about finished. Psalms 37, verse number 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Do you have a desire to serve the Lord? If he tells you to go to Kasese, will you say okay? Or are you fulfilling your desires? Delight thyself also in the Lord. See, there's the first part. You have to delight in Him first. Which means what He desires. Right? Which what pleases Him. And when you do that, He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Your deep down desires. Maybe you don't even know them. I didn't know I wanted to go to Kasese. <laughs> but I'm so glad God knew I wanted to go there. <laughs> We may not even really know what God wants and what we want. You know, we don't let people vote and drink alcohol and get driver's license till they're like 21. Why do we let little kids decide their gender? It doesn't even make sense. Now, why do we think we know better than God? The one who created us. We don't know what we want. I thought I wanted to go to Kabale. I didn't. I wanted to go to Kasese. You understand what I'm saying? When we desire what God desires, then he'll give us what we desire. When we live our life according to his 
purpose. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I want my life, I want to, to finish my life as Paul did where it says he finished his course, he kept the faith, he fought a good fight. And to be able to stand before the Lord and he say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The only way that's going to come is if I please him. And the only way I can please him is if I fulfill his purpose for being here. Okay, think about it. I'm not here for me. I'm not living my life for me. God has me here for His purpose. What is that purpose? Well, I don't know for you. I know for me. And I know God wants you to know that purpose. He does, because it's His purpose for you. And that's why you're here. Imagine him not telling you what he wants you to do, but then you get in trouble because you didn't do it. You ever have that happen when you were a little kid? You got in trouble and you didn't know you weren't supposed to do that? That's not the way God is. Is God going to punish us because we didn't do his will, but we didn't know it? Well, he wants to show us. But remember, we have to be the person God wants us to be, and he'll show us, gladly show us, because that's why we're here. I don't know God's specific will yet. That's okay. You just keep doing what you know to do. You be the person God wants you to be, and he'll show you. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen? Pastor. Lord's never made a mistake. He has a reason. He has a plan. A lot of people, they get older and they say, well, Lord must be done with you. Well, if he was done with you, he, you wouldn't be here. So it's all ages that God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. And some of those purposes and plans, they increase even in the latter years of your life. But one of the things that always, he, he read verse 5, says, commit thy ways to the Lord and he should bring it to pass. I thought about that when he said commit. And I thought, you know what, how we find that purpose? It begins with surrender. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want. I like what the fellow said one time. He said, the best thing you do is get a blank sheet of paper. Put it at the top, I will. Go all the way to the bottom and sign it. Say, God, you fill it in. And let him fill in that purpose for your life. Amen. Let's all stand. Heads bowed. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, you have a purpose. You have a plan for every single person in this room. From the youngest to the eldest. And Lord, it's going to take surrender. It's going to take a desire. Not to fulfill our desire. But to fulfill your desire. Lord, help us to seek you. Lord, that you might show us that purpose. Many times, Lord, we realize that it comes a piece at a time. And Lord, I pray that you'd guide us and direct us, that we might live in such a way that you're magnified, that you're glorified. 
And, Lord, that your purpose is completed in our lives. We thank you and we love you, Lord. Have your will and way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, eyes still closed, maybe.